technology shapes and influences every aspect of our lives today, and we're only beginning to scratch the surface of understanding how it will radically change the way we live and work in the future. Coming up... The key element to automation is the human factor, and how acceptable automation is to humans. So the, the, the thing with automation and in our journey, what we have learned is that we as humans tend to want something that will, that will do the job 100% on, or not want it at all. Or that's the excuse we use, that I cannot do this because it's not 100% automated. Uh, so which, which has to be changed. Uh, the human aspect has to change. You're listening to The Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth, a Nokia original series. For a telecommunications service provider to become a smooth operator, the CSP needs to embrace network automation. The quantitative benefits of network engineers focusing on revenue generating projects instead of monitoring that infinite number of screens filled with never ending blinking alerts are real. But it's not just about security, it's about a wholesale rebuilding of the way a network operator operates. Nobody knows that quite as well as Basil Alabad, the Director of Transport Planning at DU. His work in the United Arab Emirates has helped the company build on its expertise, reduce the time it takes to roll out new network services, and ensure customers get the service they expect when they expect it. And he tells me automation has evolved dramatically over the years, especially with the introduction of 5G. Automation has evolved quite a bit. We started off with a complete uh, manual way of executing our, our day-to-day work and, and, and projects to somewhat semi-automated uh, platform with somewhat semi-automated uh, work execution. And eventually we're looking at going into full uh, automation and having majority of our day-to-day tasks done through NSP and tools like uh, NSP. It's the kind of thing where we really don't have a choice, do we? We have to go automation. We have to automate. There's quite a bit of resistance uh, coming into automation with, uh, with, with the mentality and, uh, you know, the human elements of, of, uh, of jobs and uh, job security. So there's quite a bit of resistance, but we've been put in a spot now where uh, we don't have a choice, uh, especially with evolving networks, uh, 5G coming into the picture, you know, with, with, uh, with the customer's expectations uh, changing so rapidly that we don't have a choice anymore. So, uh, but the key element uh, to automation is the human factor and how acceptable automation is to humans because ultimately we can we make it or break it. So we can keep complaining about that it's not there 100%. So the, the, the thing with automation and in our journey, what we have learned is that we as humans tend to want something that will that will do the job 100% on, or not wanted at all. Or that's the excuse we use, that I cannot do this because it's not 100% automated. Uh, so which, which has to be changed. Uh, the human aspect has to change. Well, I can imagine there is some pushback. To your point, there has been some concern about job losses, but automation really isn't just about saving money. It's not about the job situation. It's about increasing network resiliency. It's about accelerating time to revenue. It is about that. Uh, it's about excusing uh, um, resiliency. It's about, uh, like you mentioned, uh, revenue. It's also about human uh, human free uh, rollout or human free intervention 
with with all the changes that happen. Because the b- biggest contribution to to outages is human intervention. Because it's it's the human uh, mistakes that cause generally the outages compared to when a when a device misbehaves. Uh, so so with the automation, the message that has to be passed around, and I think we as an industry, as telecom industry, we've we've lacked in we've lacked in that perspective is that uh, you got to evolve. As a network engineer, I, I studied the programming in university and I went on to work as a network engineer. And uh, a network engineer 10 years ago is not the same network engineer that is out there today because you're expected to do a lot more because of all the visibility that you have in the network. You're not expected just to connect uh, site A to site B. You're supposed to do it in a, in, a, in, a, in a smart manner which can increase efficiencies and bring new revenue streams in. So I think the emphasis, although the, it boils down to cost saving, is more on, on, on uh, how do we reskill our staff to be able to adapt to this, this change in, in, in process, give them new skills to really start working on, on different, uh, different jobs and, and, uh, and in different markets. If you look at the likes of Amazon and Google and so on and so forth, they, they they have nailed it pretty much. Uh, yeah, they've done a good job at it. They've hit the nail on the head. Where their staff are reskilled, are reskilled now to do more than just be a network engineer. We should probably get a misconception out of the way as well. Automation isn't as much about a software package that you buy, you install, you plug into the network, as much as it is about delivering a project. Uh, one thing's for sure: it's not an off-the-shelf product. The misconception that Oh, I'll bring NSP or a tool like NSP into the network and, um, you know, oh, magic and it's all there, you know. Again, as an industry, we've failed to really talk about this in detail because, you know, when, when the CXO levels, they, they, they meet at a round table, everyone sort of looks at it. Oh, it's a, it's a click away. So you just click the button and it's there. But when you get into the, you know, like they say, devils in the detail. So when you when you really get down to it, every network is different, and and there you know, I have different ways of rolling out due to my constraints compared to my competitors, and and uh, so that really governs how a topology of a network is. And like you said, it's it's delivering an end-to-end project rather than delivering a, a subset of a task. But it gets built on tasks, so you you can't expect also to be a hundred percent automated from day one. It's a journey that you have to take and you slowly, slowly, you know, you know, it's like building a, a building. You can't build a, a 50 story building with, with, the, with the top layer first. You start with the foundation then the first floor, then the second floor and you, and you go and go on, uh, go on from there. I like your analogy of building a 50 story tower and you don't start at the top. You start with the foundation. What makes for a strong foundation for automation? Information, information related to our customers, topology, Information related to our network, what we have deployed, where topology is is at the essence of of network automation. Let me let me talk about network automation. So having the right topology, what has been implemented on ground versus what we think on paper. So there's a big deviation between when we sit with uh, with our partners like Nokia and set out an LLD, a low level design, expecting that we are going to roll out that design that we've put on paper compared to what actually happens on ground and the changes are not necessarily happening due to human errors but it's the 
the external effects that cause the changes. So there's a big deviation between what we think is there and what has been implemented. So when, when, when we start that automation journey, we suddenly find out that we have uh, five or six different topologies. And then we don't have enough information about our customers or because of the manual setup of automations, there are different, uh, let's say, naming standards. So we had a big problem with our inventory project where we could not uh, really define our um, you know, devices properly because different people were using different naming conventions because of the human aspect. Uh, so, you know, uh, having accurate information is, is really key. And having accurate topology is, again, another foundation stone for, for, for you to build on. If you, if you have that nailed down, you will go a long way in a very short span of time and get it delivered. I read a fascinating report from Analysis Mason that concluded that time to revenue aspect to automation falls 88%, with time to revenue defined as the length of time from a contract execution before the relationship begins to provide revenue. How does network automation accomplish this? I'll give you an example um, which emphasizes on what uh, Mason said in their report. We used to do software upgrades in our network in a very manual way. So the pre-check, depending on the device, of course, but uh, let me talk about the big routers. So uh, doing changes before we had, we we went ahead and did the changes. We had to do a lot of uh, pre-checks and and post-checks. And sometimes these pre-checks would go into an eight hour cycle to make sure that we're good to do an upgrade. With automation, that eight uh, eight hours went down to 40 minutes. Uh, That applied to pre and post. So we had another eight hour cycle post-upgrade to make sure that everything is working as it was before. So again, that went down to, to 40 minutes. So previously, doing an upgrade of a, of a core router or an aggregator was a daunting task, and it would, it would be a, a full day, if not more, that, to, that would be required. Now we do three or four a night. So having new software rolled out into the network means I have more features and capabilities that I can offer my customers which in turn goes the boils down to uh, a faster time to market and, and uh, revenue and better revenue for the organization. What are the best practices associated with automation being executed to help reduce time to revenue? What are the tricks? What are the traps? We're still learning. I'll be very honest. Uh, we're still learning the, the tricks, the traps, uh, but generally it is uh, not to wait to get that full building. Let's start off with whatever is automated out there and really use it. Uh, and then slowly, slowly work on that uh, picture-perfect world that we require. So uh, a lot of the use cases that get developed, uh, I'll give you an example. We, we started our enterprise automation journey and we said, okay, as a stepping stone, let's, let's only do a subset of the use case. So let's only do activating an internet customer and then let's build on from there. It was countered and people were saying, no, no, we won't use this till we have the, the whole enterprise suit covered, which really puts you at a, at a, you know, on the back foot because that's going to take a lot of time. It's not a walk in the park and it's not a day's job that you would do it. So, uh, so really use what is available and go ahead with that till you build, uh, till you build the, the, the full suite of, of uh, services that you require. So really, I, w- I would say that is the, the, the trick to accept what you have and really start using it and not to fall in the trap of having the, the, the complete 
implementation done from the get-go. The other thing that also that I would like to talk about in terms of tricks is to make sure whatever is getting deployed newly into the network is is automated from day one and not to wait because otherwise it's a it's a catch-up you know you will always be catching up with what is what what is coming in new so really uh, having these two nailed down will will help quite a bit in my in my view also back to your analogy of the 50-story tower that that's a fascinating twist to it the idea that once you've built that foundation you start putting a couple of floors and you don't have to wait till that tower is 50 stories tall to start enacting automation you can do that in the lobby. Oh, for sure, uh, for sure. So, so you see, once you have the foundation nailed down, like um, uh, having um, having the customer information and topology nailed down across the network, be it IP, optical, or over microwave or radio, there's nothing stopping you cherry picking which use cases you want at which part of the network and automating those to have that entire building. So the lobby can be. Uh, a 10 meter by 10 meter room or can be a 50 meter by 50 meter room depending on the use cases that that are out there for you to pick on so we, you know in in our journey we we started uh, automation use cases on our enterprise segment and we started doing some of our our mobile rollout and automating some of our mobile mobile rollout because that is our uh, revenue stream on when a mobile site goes live is when we start uh, capitalizing on, on the income that comes out from it. So the quicker that site is live, the more income it is for us. So we don't have to really wait to finish the enterprise to start the mobile. They can go simultaneously. All you need is the teams to work on it uh, and, and have a different point of view to, to get the job done. With automation, it's critical to service fulfillment under 5G. It's estimated operational costs can be cut by 86%. What are the key issues? Not only with 5G, with overall, is that, uh, you know, we get, we get our network rolled out as quick as possible. So if, if we look at it from, from 5G perspective, uh, previously eNodeBees uh, were rolled out at, uh, at a gig, and that was looked at uh, enough capacity per site. But now 5G comes in and you have 10 gigs, you have 25 gigs that have to be rolled out. So really, we, we are going through a complete change on, on, on the full mobile access network because of 5G. So rolling it out in, in the fastest possible manner uh, with the least amount of outages is really key to the whole, uh, to the whole story. What are the biggest operational costs that can be automated? It's a wide range of things. Um, software upgrades are 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 a first thing that can be automated and help with cost reduction. Uh, link upgrades. So really uh, looking at the network and figuring out a w- which links are saturated and how quickly you can upgrade the, those links. It can incur an an, uh, an upfront uh, capex cost, but it will reduce your time to market because now the upgrades are are done quicker. Uh, so you have the ports available, you have the fiber available. Activating a port is is a, is a is a click away, honestly speaking. As long as you have that topology information nailed down, so uh, doing software upgrades, doing link upgrades, uh, uh, traffic load balancing is another uh, uh, use case that we're heavily looking at, and we're really looking at having analytics pumped into load balancing. So depending on the traffic type and the analytics that you cover for uh, that you gather from the network load balancing different traffic ty- uh, different uh, traffics on different links 
depending on the shortest path, depending on the latency depending on things like that. You see all these use cases a couple of years ago were talked about, but today are, are really being kicked in and, and, and are being asked either from 5G networks or from our enterprise customer. So our ent- uh, enterprise customers are no longer, you know, uh, waiting. They are the ones who are demanding now and asking for, for all this information to be, to be shared with them, not only how the networks are using it, but they also want a, a visual insight on what they're doing and how they can enhance it even more. I can imagine provisioning is a critical component as well that requires automation. Oh, for sure. Uh, be it our internal, uh, internal. so our, our mobile network is our, our internal customer or external customers, uh, be it our service layers. Uh, so service layers are our internal customers also. Everyone is asking to have their project completed in the fastest possible time with the least complications and with the least human errors. So really, uh, you, you look at all the aspects, if you look at uh, time to market, if you look at uh, human errors, and you look at faster deployment, automation is at the cornerstone of all of this to, to make sure that your project is executed in, in, in the fastest possible way. So uh, with tools like NSP, NSP and like, we're really seeing that, uh, that uh, fiction turn into reality. I suppose the most understood value in network automation is for security and resilience. It's not much of a surprise that the labor time and the costs associated with alarms falls 98%. Yes, previously we ran an exercise where, where we looked at how long does it take for, for an engineer to sift through and really look at alarms that matter to them versus uh, the alarms that don't. And we found like you can you can save and you can save around four to five hours of an engineer's time just by suppressing alarms. Uh, you could save uh, uh, even more by correlating how a, a certain link, which uh, a certain link which has been cut off from the network, is uh, causing issues across the services that you have been providing on that link. So an an, an indirect uh, response to this is updating a customer with a with a message telling him that we know that you have an outage on your fixed services and we are working on it. So that alone saves a bombardment of, your, of, of calls on your, onto your call center, which again is only up, uh, achieved if you have the information, you have the correlation and you have the automation to, to send out that message. So there, there are indirect and direct aspects that come into play here with, the, with automation, which sometimes becomes hard to quantify. So yes, alarm suppression is something that can be quantifiable, but but uh, calls to your call center, you know, again, is, is, a, is a, yeah, some customers call and some don't sort of a situation becomes hard to justify. But for sure, it does have an impact on customer experience. So w- when you send out a message to a customer telling him that you're working on his issue, you know, it's a happier customer and a customer who knows that his service is really being looked at rather than you, him calling and complaining that the service is out. So that's an, an intangible um, uh, you know, outcome of automation. So when we come full circle here, I'm, I'm, I suppose one of the most important takeaway elements to this conversation is that when a CSP needs to start with network automation, implementing a, a single use case that helps you prioritize quick wins is going to have the biggest impact. Just get at it start at the basics, work your way up. Low-hanging fruits are always the ones that you should be running after rather than building that uh, 50th floor 
Uh, let's go back to the analogy of the tower. See the future. Listen to what's next. Read about world-changing ideas. All by visiting nokia.com slash insights. The Futurithmic podcast with Michael Hainsworth is a Nokia original series.